What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, welcome into the Arrowhead Addict Podcast Playoff Divisional Round Edition. Patrick Allen here with you, as always, on Thursdays. And today, have my pal Matt Verran from Sports Illustrated with me again to get you ready for a pretty damn big game. Not just uh, for the Chiefs, but I think for the whole uh, NFL landscape and the AFC. This is a meaningful one. Verran, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still trying to warm up. It needs to get warmer outside. But it it's better than it was two days ago. So uh, other than that, great. Uh, what's uh, what's going on? You actually you put out on on Twitter some uh, news in your life, so I don't mind bringing it up now. Uh, what's going on with you? Uh, yeah, if you if you if you just listen to the podcast, if you don't follow me on social media, I am my wife and I are uh, are having a baby uh, in June, beginning of June. So we're really really excited about that. Um, we're about halfway through the pregnancy now. Had the big, uh, this is a first for us and wasn't even something that we were 100% sure we were going to do. Um, had a bit of a, a change of plans, change of heart, I guess, and, and decided to go for it here. You know, 40s, early 40s. Um, so we're, we're excited. It's crazy. We had the, the big uh, anatomy scan on Tuesday, which was okay. sort of like, kind of like that last, you know, there, obviously anything can happen and there are hurdles, but you get all the testing done and they get in there. And, and if you're not, if you've never had children before, they, they dig in, they look at all the organs and make sure that, that, you know, all the stuff's where it's supposed to be and everything looks good and everything went great. So we were relieved and thrilled. And boy, I got to tell you, man, I know there's a lot more to come, but it was the most profound hour of my life thus far to just sit there and watch that screen and see, see the baby moving around in there and kicking and doing somersaults and stuff and being like, wow, this is, uh, this is incredible. Yeah. No, congratulations to you, man. I mean, yeah, I, obviously we've talked about it, but I, um, I'm excited for you. I was shocked when you told me because you you had always been ever since I've known you. Like, yeah, no, nah, you know, we don't want to have kids, and I, I think that's that's cool. You guys will be great parents. Uh, are you waiting to find out the gender, or do you? No, you... no, no, no big secret here. It's a it's baby boy. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Be playing for the Chiefs here in a couple of years. <laughs> Well, so, you know, you could go the whole Patrick Jr. route and then you could always just be like, you were named after Mahomes. Yeah, I try. Look, I, I pushed for that one. I don't think it's going to be a Patrick Jr. I, I've I floated Mahomes as a first name. Uh, that got shot down pretty quickly. See, that's, I, I was, I was going to say that seems to be the route to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Look, I'm not going to go junior. Let's just go. Let's go just Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. You got all these kids out there that, like, you know, people that Cowboys fans named their kid Landry and, and all that, you know, I, I tried. I was like, what about LaVon? No. I'm like, what about middle name? Could, I, tr- I tried to get it done 
you know, we'll see, we'll see what we end up landing on. That'll probably be our one big secret, but uh, yeah. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's exciting. And yeah, we, you know, we, when we met, we, we didn't think that we wanted kids and uh, we always said, you know, Hey, we, look, we can always change our mind. We could adopt like maybe. And I, one of the things I always said was, Hey, look, maybe when I get to the point where I'm 40, you know, maybe I'll feel differently. And uh, last year, actually, right before we went to the, to the Super Bowl, which, which we covered, um, I, you know, I, I had a conversation with, with, uh, with my wife before I left. And I said, hey, I think we should talk about this one more time because, uh, you know, I'm turning 40 in May. And like, let's just pressure test this. Let's talk it out and make sure because, you know, at least, at least as far as having our, our, our own biological child, we were at the end of the the window for that, maybe a little bit past it. And, um, and we had, we had multiple conversations and and we decided that that, this was something that we wanted. And and it was cool. It was, you know, uh, my sister-in-law had twins uh, recently and, and getting to spend some time around them certainly influenced kind of how we thought about things. And uh, yeah, we're, we're very grateful. We, you know, we really didn't know if, uh, if it was going to happen for us. Um, And, uh, and uh, it did. And, um, here we are. So, uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see him in, uh, in, uh, geez, I, not that, not that much longer. That here. Long. Yeah, yeah. 20 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy sleeping for the next 20 weeks. Um, but no, that, that's great. It's better than for <laughs> my wife. will love this story being shared publicly. It's better than how uh, we found out we were having our first child, Maisie. Um, you might remember that because I was in our old <laughs> office in Chicago Yep. And my wife, actually at the time, my fiance called me and we had planned on having sort of trying to have kids like right after we got married. So it wasn't a matter of whether we wanted kids. It was kind of a matter of timing. And she called me in the middle of the workday and we worked right across from a target. So it wasn't uncommon for her to call me and say like, hey, pick up chicken, you know, whatever. Sure. And she called me and I was like, OK, she's going to want me to pick up dinner or something. And I answered the phone. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm like, okay. And uh, <laughs> I walked into your office and I was like, yeah, listen, I'm going to go home. Like, Why? Where, where are you going? Like Stephanie's pregnant. And I remember you, you know, there's like a pause and you're like, yeah, you should probably go home. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. You had some explaining yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it. thankfully like the parents are cool. I mean, we were, thank, we were really fortunate. We moved the wedding up and it, like it had no in a real interference and everything worked out fine. And obviously it worked out for the best, but uh, yeah, I'm thrilled for you guys. You guys, you guys will be great parents. And you know what? It's nice in a way like you got to enjoy all your thirties, like just the two of you and how that, and now, you know, look, don't buy into all the bullshit. The parents will tell you like, it's so hard. It's like, listen, morons raise kids all the time. Okay. <laughs> I remember having this conversation with our, our mutual friend, Bass, Jonathan Bass. Yeah. And he has a couple of kids now, obviously. And I remember we were talking about that when we were first be- both, you know, becoming parents and whatnot. And we're like, look, man, people who are absolute dopes raise kids. And yeah. like those kids go on to be successful. It's not that hard. Yeah. Like change some diapers, feed them, you know, make sure they go to the right you know, places. We have to send them to daycare, stuff like that. Like it's you won't care that you're waking up because you're waking up for your kid. It's not like you're waking up for someone else's kid. You're waking up for your kid. And like, you're not going to give a shit that like, oh, I got to walk up the stairs twice with the groceries. Who cares? Like, right. it is a lot of fun. It is worth it. Um, even, even when they drive you insane, which is inevitable. Yeah, we did. We had that conversation where, you know, you obviously you go through different phases and feelings and you start to feel a little bit nervous. And I, I did say to Maggie, I said, you know, I was thinking about it. I know some real idiots 
and like, you know, like just real dumb oh, yeah. people. And they managed to get their kids to college without killing them. So I was like, yeah. I was like, we're going to be great. We'll be great at this. <laughs> I was like, yeah. we're, pretty, not, we're pretty responsible, competent people. People make it way more. The hardest thing, and every parent listening to this will agree, is like, it's just the, like you have to plan ahead. Like if you go to the grocery store right now, you just get in your car or you, whatever you walk, you just go. Yeah. And you have an infant. It's like, okay, wait, I got to have a diaper bag and I got to make sure they're buckled in. And like, and, and look, people screw up all the time. I remember one time I was driving with, I, God, was it Maisie? It had to be Maisie, my firstborn, in the back seat, and she's and I, you know, I buckled her in. We're all set, and the way her car seat is is like there's a base that stays in the car all the time, and then like the car seat can just like go in and out, and it buckles in. So I'm driving, and I make a left turn. <laughs> the whole car seat just whoop, oh, no. over to the side, <laughs> and I was like, oh shit! Like, and I realized like I didn't put the, I didn't like click the base in. So the, the, the car seat was into the base, but the base wasn't strapped down. It's just, boop, she didn't even care. It's totally yeah. fine. Pulled over, strapped in the base. But, you know, it, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And it's fun and it's enjoyable. And, and so, uh, you know, I know people are here for cheese bills, but that's a that's a life moment. That's really cool. I'm excited for you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. I know I know we shared the the, the coming of uh, of your of your uh, third child on the podcast as well, I think. So, yeah. Um, yep. it, it's always nice to share this kind of news with our listeners. Cause you know, you guys feel like family to us. We really appreciate you. We consider you friends. And so, uh, I see all the well wishes in the chat. Thank you to everybody. Uh, appreciate y'all. And, and we'll get you, we'll get you some chiefs content here, but I did say that I, the first thing I will do when this kid is coordinated enough is I will make sure he knows how to catch just in case, just in case, but I'll start early. Um, you know, and, call uh, Brett we'll, and let him know, Hey, listen, you know, he's going to be born with June. So like, Next season, he might be better already than half the guys on the team trying to catch the football. So that's good right. news. Right. We'll be doing we'll be doing the drills. Um, real quick, everybody, uh, before we get into it, just want to let you know that um, the uh, uh, the DraftKings, our friends at DraftKings, have a fantastic sign up bonus ahead of the divisional round. You can place a five dollar first bet on anything to instantly claim a two hundred dollars in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no sweat single game parlay every single day when you opt in. The best part is that you will receive both rewards even if you lose your first bet. When you join DraftKings, make sure to sign up with our code Arrowhead. Using our code Arrowhead will get you these great bonuses, but it also supports this show, our podcast. And uh, if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code Arrowhead. Maximize your first bets and parlays. It's a, it's, a, it's an offer that's only available for customers who are 21 and older. You got to be physically present in a legal gambling state. Make sure to always gamble responsibly and check our episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. All right, Verram, a couple of news items to hit. One I know everyone's really excited about, and that is that Sky Moore is designated to return from injured reserve. Uh, how long do the Chiefs have to make the decision to, to activate him? Is it like the regular season where they get like yeah. four weeks? Is it four weeks? Yeah, three, three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. So he's got a 21-day window for when they activate him. Um, I do not think he's going to be out there this, uh, this week. I, I think that's a pretty safe assumption. Um, but yeah, after that, I mean, he still have two weeks after that. So you could activate him if they win. They could activate him for the AFC title game. If they win that game, they could activate him for the Super Bowl. So back in time for the Super Bowl, just what that's what everybody's hoping for. That would really just be the way this uh, whole season works out is that they bring him back, and that's the one game he goes for like 890 and two touchdowns. But yeah, uh, yeah. no, I, I mean, if you're the Chiefs, with all due respect to them, like why? I mean, like what? what is the rationale that he needs to be back? You know, I, I don't. Depth. 
Yeah, point. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, that would be the one. Like, hey, look, activate him in case there's an injury, something like that. And I get that. But, like, I I just don't – for the Chiefs, like, why? You know? I mean, you, you're playing the best you've played all year long right now. I don't think there's any real reason to go and, and rush him out onto the field. I don't think they will. Yeah, agreed. We'll see how that goes. Uh, probably not going to be out there, but he has been uh, practicing a little bit. Yeah, and that brings us to the injury report. Let me just refresh to see if the Chiefs got theirs out. It is out. Okay, so – uh, Derek Naughty's got a tricep injury. He is not practiced. I'm, I've heard some rumblings. These are rumors on Twitter that maybe he ends up on IR. Have you heard anything like that, Vertoram? I have, I have not. I, I also haven't asked, to be totally honest. Um, but uh, no, I, I have not, uh, I've not heard or, any, or seen anything substantial about that. Sky Moore is limited again for the second day. I did see some tweets from media that were in attendance that he was moving around pretty well. Kadarius Tony, who's been banged up, continues to be limited with a hip and ankle. Justin Ross with the hamstring, same thing, limited. LeJarius Sneed has had this calf injury. He's been limited both days. I think this is just maintenance on him. No reason to overextend him, right? Yeah. No, I, I mean, for the Chiefs, look, he's had this for a month. This isn't anything new. I mean, I, I, I don't see any reason, if you're Kansas City, why you push it. Like, for what? You know he's going to play. He's not going to have a designation. Like he's going to be out there. So this time of year, I mean, let's just be honest. You're 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 not pushing anybody. I mean, the only difference in the in the practice report, the injury report, excuse me, is Wanya Morris went from uh, full to limited. Yeah. So I mean, okay, you know, and obviously I hope for Wanya Morris he re- recovers and whatnot, but like he's not starting this game. So I mean, for the Chiefs, like you're not gonna you're not gonna push a Jerry Sneed. There's no reason. There's no reason to do that. Um, he's going to be out there and that's all that matters. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, the one you Morris won, a little concerning because he's dealing with a concussion. Practice fully on Wednesday. Uh, and then move back to limited. I didn't see any reports what was going on there. Um, maybe he backs a little bit. They've got to be careful there. So that's good. Hopefully he can get right to be available to be a backup yeah, because things do happen. Uh, but we'll see. Obviously, his, his health first and foremost there. Everybody else that's on the report with with some Knicks, uh, they're all full practice participants. On the Bills side, it's a different story. There's some They're missing some guys. Um, yep. Stefan Diggs was the DMP, but they have vet rest on there, so I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about that. Although he's dealing with a foot injury, um, but you know Taylor Rapp, safety for them, did not practice two days with a calf injury. Gabe Davis, who had a big big game the last time the Chiefs played the Bills in the playoffs, has not practiced this week with a knee injury. Uh, anybody else you see on this Bills injury report that you're concerned about? I mean, look, it's a it's a lengthy list. Benford, if he doesn't play, is significant. Now, I expect Douglas to play. He said he will he will play. I, I'm sure he will. He's been limited throughout the course of the week. But if Benford's not out there, 
then that means you're getting Kyrie Elam. I know Kyrie Elam had a pick last week. I think the Chiefs would be pretty happy to see Kyrie Elam. Yeah, you'll obviously have Dane Jackson as well. So it'd be Jackson. It'd be, you know, and, and, and then there's also the uncertainty I should add also with, with Teron Johnson, who's been eliminated. He was in a non-contact jersey today. So you just don't really know with him. Like, if he's there, you, that's kind of the, the the four corners you'll see if Benford doesn't play. It would be, it would be Johnson and Douglas. It would be, it, it would be, it would be Dane Jackson and Kyrie Allen. Now, at linebacker, that's where things get really hairy for Buffalo. If Bernard does not play, and he has been excellent this year, over 130 tackles, six and a half sacks, if he's not out there, uh, and on top of that, not that he's had the year that Bernard's had, but Phelan Spector's another linebacker who is not out there today. Like, you're without those guys, you start to get really thin. Now, it looks like Terrell Dodson, who missed last week, will play this week. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. There's nobody else. I mean, it's it's him. It's AJ Klein. It's it's Tyler Matikavich. I mean, it's I would expect the Chiefs to relentlessly go at those linebackers in this game. If Bernard doesn't play, and he was carted off the field, now they say he's day to day, but of all the guys, I think he's probably the biggest stretch to play. That's big. Taylor Rapp, the third safety, he was not able to go last week. He has been a DNP both days with the calf. That's significant when they go on some of these dime looks. And then look, Gabe Davis. I, I don't think at this point Gabe Davis is even one of the top two receivers. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say at this point that Shakir is, is overtaking him, but it hurts depth. Like if Davis isn't out there, now if you're the Chiefs, now you're putting McDuffie on Shakir and you're putting Snead on Diggs, who, by the way, missed practice today with a foot injury uh, slash vet rest. I'm sure he'll play in the game. I don't know how big the foot injury part of that is. But – you know, if you're the Chiefs and Davis isn't there now, okay, you got Shakir and you got and you got Diggs, but the Chiefs can match up with with Snead and McDuffie. So it's a lot. It's a lot of injuries for Buffalo. There's no question about it. Yeah, they're banged up. And also keep in mind that the the Bills played later than they were supposed to. So one of the right. reasons why this you know they wanted it in prime time, but one of the reasons this game is on Sunday is because the Bills were the Bills had to move their game. And so they're trying to cut down, but the Chiefs got an advantage here. Chiefs got like what a day and a half more yeah. of rest than than the Bills. And like, let's be honest, you know, I, I don't think there were any mysteries here to the Chiefs of who they were going to be playing. Um, I, I don't think the Chiefs were were spending that extra time preparing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so, and and look, this is a team that they've already played, so it's going to be interesting. Um, Let's let's get into it. Let's preview this game. This is a a massive game. Taking it off the top here, obviously this game's in Buffalo. Uh, Chiefs are two and a half point underdogs. Yep, not something that happens a lot in Patrick Mahomes' career. Um, but but that tells you that they, they think it's going to be close because Vegas will usually give the home team three points. So, um, and you got an over and under of forty five, and it's going to be a five thirty p.m. kickoff Arrowhead time. Do you think this is going to be as close as the uh, line indicates for the Ram? Um, I mean, it's basically, I think the game's going to be a field goal game. Yeah, I think probably. I'd probably be pretty close to that either way. These teams just typically don't blow each other out. You know, I mean, there have been a few. There have been a few. They've played six times with Mahomes and Allen. I think two of them, there have been blowouts, each one side getting one of them. I, I, I just I, – I don't think either team is going to just run away. It's a weird game – in the sense that the national narrative is all about the quarterbacks. It's Mahomes in a town. It's Mahomes in a town. And and I, the funny thing is, I think if the Bills win, I think Allen's biggest contribution to the game is going to be his legs. 
Like, I don't think he's throwing the ball for a ton of yards in this game. And, for, and, I, and, and I know that sounds like I'm digging on him. I'm not. The first time they played this year, the Bills won. Allen threw for five and a half yards per attempt in that game. Like, Allen did not do a ton of that. He made a couple of great plays, but like he wasn't, like, prolific. It wasn't like he had 350 yards because nobody is strong for 300 yards against the Chiefs this year. And I think the Chiefs' corners are going to be able to match up. You know, Dalton Kincaid is an excellent young tight end. He had five catches in that first game for 21 yards. Cook was the one who just torched the Chiefs. He led that Buffalo by a mile and with over 80 receiving yards. I think that's where you look at this game and go, you know, Listen, if the Bills are going to blow the Chiefs out, it's going to be because they're just running the ball all over Kansas City and the Chiefs turn the ball over. And if the Chiefs are going to blow Buffalo out, it's because it's one of these deals where with all the injuries on defense, the Chiefs just put Buffalo's linebackers in hell in this game. And they're just run- they're doing exactly what they did to Miami. And they're just running crossers and they're, they're isolating these guys underneath with Kelsey. And it just becomes one of these things where, hey, look, you can, you can take away MVS and Justin Watson all you want, because the Chiefs are going to put Rice in a reduced split. They're going to put him in the slot. They're going to run Kelsey inside. And they're going to run Pacheco on choice routes. And they're just going to absolutely bury these linebackers for 60 minutes. And then, you know, maybe you get a turnover or two from Allen. To me, that's how you know, the, the blowout could happen. But I think the reality is they're both really good teams. I think you're probably going to find some middle ground. And now I expect it to come right down to it. As we get into some more of the X's and O's here, um, When we previewed this game earlier this year, the first time these two teams played, and one of the things that I said at the time was that the Chiefs needed to watch out for James Cook because I thought Cook was a talented back that the Bills had not been using earlier in the season. But in leading up to that game, they had started to use Cook more. And what happened? (laughs) I almost felt like the Chiefs weren't quite expecting them to use Cook so much in that first game. Right, because he went off early on in that one. Um, how big of a factor do you think he is? And interestingly enough, here coming into this game, um, the over under, and Vegas is usually pretty accurate on these things. The over under for James Cook and Isaiah Pacheco in this game for both of them is sixty two and a half rushing yards. Who do you think wins that battle? And how important do you think the running game is in this contest? Other than turnovers. I think which both teams turn the ball over, but the Bills have been great taking the ball away. They take the ball away on a per-drive basis more than any team in the NFL. The Chiefs are not good at taking the ball away, so that's a big key in this game, especially for Kansas City. Other than turnovers, the biggest factor in this game is going to be the Chiefs against the Bills' rushing attack, and that includes Josh Allen's legs. If the Bills run the ball successfully, I think they'll win the game. And if they can't run the ball, I think they could be in for a really rough afternoon. Because i got to tell you, and this is based on the whole year. This isn't based on a thought or an opinion. This is fact. The Chiefs have annihilated just about everybody's passing game. Everybody. Nobody's thrown for 300 yards. Very few teams have even gotten up into 250. Sneed has been impenetrable the entire year. I mean, everywhere. The, you Look, if you're a Bills fan listening to this, I know that sounds hyperbolic. Go look at his numbers. Go look at the number one receivers that have played the Chiefs this year. Okay? Nothing. I mean nothing. A.J. Brown, one catch, eight yards. Tyreek Hill, two different times, 62 yards in each game, which for him is, is a pittance. Justin Jefferson, three catches, 28 yards. D.J. Moore, until the Chiefs pulled their starters, didn't have a catch through three quarters. Keenan Allen, I believe, had like three catches for 40 yards, something like that. I might be off by a couple. Um, 
And Diggs, for the record, had four catches and 24 yards in their first meeting, and Shakir had one catch for 12 yards. And if you're wondering about Gabe Davis, he had zero catches. I mean, this is a game where the the Bills are going to have to run the football. I'm not saying Allen's throwing for a buck fifty. Like I'm sure he's going to get two something, but like they're going to have to run the ball because the other side is this. I went back and watched the all 22 of the first game. I did it on Monday night. Early in the game, the first half and the first drive of the third quarter, the Bills had 17 points throughout those drives. And if you watch the Chiefs' defense, they played almost exclusively a pretty static zone. Every once in a while, they blitz and they they drop a backer, or excuse me, they drop a lineman out. And in those drives, Allen was 17 for 27, decent, 176 yards, so just under seven yards in attempt, a touchdown, a pick, and he was sacked once. Then something changed in that game. The Chiefs went man heavy. They brought a lot of exotic blitzes. For the rest of the game, Josh Allen went 5 of 13 for 53 yards, and he was sacked twice. And two of those passes, you might remember the one that was challenged. It was this controversial play where like, it was caught, but it wasn't caught. And it was a fumble. They rolled it a catch. Two of the passes each went for 25 yards. If you take out those two throws, Allen went 3 of 11 for 3 yards when the Chiefs started to blitz and play man coverage. I think Buffalo has to run the ball. I think Cook needs to be up around or past 100 yards in this game. If he's not, it's really difficult for the Bills. And if you look at the game against the Steelers that the Bills just played, you know, right. they 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 beat the Steelers pretty easily. But there was a moment there late in the second half where the Steelers did cut it to seven. Now the Bills had the ball. The Steelers, I don't think, ever had the ball at the chance to 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 take the lead or to tie. I may be off on that, but it was a seven-point game at one point, and you were kind of like, oh, geez, Buffalo better put this one away. They better be careful. Mason Rudolph in this game threw for 229 yards. I'm going to say that again. Mason Rudolph threw for 229 yards in this game. Two touchdowns, a pick. And uh, he he got the ball to frat, Pat Fryermuth five times for 76 yards and George Pickens. Um, do you think that there's a little bit of a weakness here as far as defending the tight end for the Bills? And does that help the Chiefs? Kelsey had six for 83 the last time these two teams played. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the injuries are a big part of that right now with Buffalo. They, you know, Spectre was out. Bernard, more importantly, was out. Obviously, Rapp didn't even play in the game. He was inactive. It, it became, I mean, as that game went on and those guys got hurt, and Teron Johnson was another one, of course, who got hurt. I, I think I even tweeted it. Like, at one point in that game, the Steelers, as they were making somewhat of a comeback, although you're right, it was never really that close. The Steelers were shredding the Bills between the numbers. I mean, just whatever they wanted. 10, 12, 15-yard pass. Like, they were open. Look, the Bills are a, a very good defensive team, and they play a lot of zone. They play a lot of too high coverage. And when you do that, you are relying on your underneath zone defenders to be able to cover a little bit of ground and to really communicate well. Because when you know it's one thing when you go one high, then you've got more guys underneath. But if you think about like let's just say you're in quarters coverage, right? For anybody who doesn't know, all that is is the two outside corners are responsible for a quarter of the field from where they stand all the way to the end zone. Okay. And the safeties, two deep safeties, are responsible for the middle quarters, you know, 25-25. Underneath, you have three underneath zone defenders, which are, you know, depending on your alignment, if you're at base, could be all linebackers. A lot of times that's one nickel corner and a couple linebackers, okay? If you're the Chiefs in this game and you get under 
overwhelming linebacking play from Buffalo because of the injuries, you're running clear outs all day against those safeties. You're you're running even if even if the Bills know, hey, look, it's Hardman, it's MBS. I mean, they got to cover the guy. They can't just let him run by him. So like, you're trying to clear Poyer. You're trying to clear Hyde. You're trying to run those guys. You're running. You're you're running corner routes, right? On the outside, you're running routes that stay outside the numbers. So what you're doing is you're even though they're in zone underneath, you can create a spot here. But now it's like, okay, Kelsey's going to run ten yards and hook up. That the linebacker's got to drive down on that, or if it's on Teron Johnson's side, he's got to drive down. And you're running crossers and whatnot behind it. And the problem with that is at some point, if you can drive those safeties far enough out, you're, you're opening up a window. If you have good enough linebacking play, those guys can get enough depth. They can get back. They can drive on balls underneath. But when you haven't played together all year long, it's hard to communicate on that. I thought the Bills struggled with that in the second half against Pittsburgh. Understandably, they were really shorthanded. Against Kansas City, if they're really shorthanded again, I would be absolutely shocked if Andy Reid does not relentlessly go at that group and try to just and, – and that includes with play action, with everything. I mean, I would expect motion. They killed Miami with that. If you watch the Miami tape, that's all they did. They just kept moving Miami with motion pre-snap, and they were throwing into spots behind them. There was nothing they could do. I, I would think the Chiefs, even though the Bills are the Dolphins, I think they try to attack in the same way. One more point on that game against Pittsburgh. Down the stretch, I noticed, and you said this, that you thought in this game Allen could be more more dangerous with his legs than he is with his arm. He has a, a propensity to turn the ball over. He's done better about that the last few weeks, but I think he had something crazy like 18 interceptions or something. Um, he threw a lot. At the end of that game, when they needed to win, they were not, they were not calling a lot of passes. I noticed that. They sort of... They sort of, you know, I wonder how worried they were about Allen's decision-making at times, given the turnovers that he had. And if that's something the Chiefs can use to their advantage, if the game gets tight late, do they trust Josh Allen to throw the ball a ton? Or are they going to try to run it and do, you know, easy, easy, safe throws? I mean, I think if you're Buffalo, you're not going to have a lot of space throwing the football. I mean, again, it's not, and it's not, it has nothing to do with Buffalo. It's not Bill specific. Like the Chiefs have been phenomenal against the pass this year. Phenomenal. Like you can make a really strong case the best pass defense in the NFL. Okay. They, they don't take it away as much as Baltimore does, but their corners right now, they're the best combo of corners in the NFL. I mean, you want to talk about Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed? I'll hear it. They're great corners. The, the Cowboys with Bland and Gilmore. Like, I mean, McDuffie is an all-pro, and Sneed, look, I don't care about the Pro Bowl. Him not being an all-pro is criminal. I mean, he was better than McDuffie this year. He should have been an all-pro. They're dominant. And the one thing, and I've said this many times on this podcast, the one thing that makes them so unique is a lot of guys, look, you you know what, hey, this guy's a great corner, but, you know, we'll move him inside and get away from him, you know, or he doesn't travel. They travel. And they play inside. They both play inside. They both play outside. They can both blitz. Both guys had 80 tackles this year. They're great in run support. There's yeah, there, there's corners that are good players that you can kind of scheme out of certain plays. And then like even like the Dolphins, Jalen Ramsey's phenomenal, but they play a ton of zone. Like you can run away from Jalen Ramsey. You can do things to get away from Jalen Ramsey. You're not getting away from Jerry Sneed and Trent McDuffie. You're not. 
they'll travel with you. It doesn't matter. You want to line up in the slot? Cool. On the on the left side, the right side, outside. I think for Buffalo, they have to run the ball effectively in this game. They have to. And to counter that, if I were the Chiefs, because both these guys, well, one particularly can cover a little Bolton. I thought the best game of his career covering against Miami. I'd put Bolton and Tranquil on the field at the same time. I I would I know this sounds nuts against Buffalo. I would even at times bring a safety down and say, I don't care. Beat me. Throw the ball. I if I'm the Chiefs, as great as Josh Allen is, I would beg him to beat me in the air. Because those corners are so good that I think if you're the Chiefs, that's fine. If he's going to drop back and he can't run and he's got to throw the football, you can spin the wheel with your coverage looks and you can do different things. And look, he's going to win some of those. He's great. He's a great quarterback. I mean, he's going to win some of those plays. But if I'm the Chiefs, my number one focus is I am not letting Cook and Allen beat me with their legs. I am not letting them do it. And if that means Shakir gets 50 yards, who cares? Fine. You know, if that means Kincaid has five catches for 70 yards, you're not losing the game because he has five catches for 70 yards. You're shutting down the receivers. Who cares? I My whole focus, finding Spagnolo is limiting that, that portion of the game. So in the past, what the Chiefs have done against the Bills, his, his priority number one has been to take away Stephon Diggs and the impact he can have on the game. The last time these two teams played, they, they, they did that again. He was targeted 11 times. He had four receptions for 24 yards. It was a non-factor in the game. He has been struggling down the stretch of this season. He hasn't had the same kind of impact he, he normally has. I don't know exactly why that is, but it is what it is. He had a, a nice game against Pittsburgh, nothing crazy, but had a nice game. Because the Chiefs have often in the past had to devote so much in the way of resources to trying to shut down Stephon Diggs, and because now they have, uh, a, I think, a defense that – Maybe doesn't need can do that without particular, uh, you know, spending too many resources on it. Does that give them advantages elsewhere on the field? And are you going into this game maybe thinking like, yeah, we're going to go just man on digs with no net, so that we can make sure that they don't swing pass out of the backfield to cook and burn us like they did early in the game the last time these teams played. I honestly think the way this game is going to play out, I think the Chiefs are going to get up on the line of scrimmage and just challenge the absolute crap out of Buffalo on the outside. I, I think that's going to happen. I think they're going to climb up on the line, especially with Snead. I mean, Snead gets so damn close to the line, he's almost off sides. I mean, he is as close to the line of scrimmage as you could possibly be without getting flagged. I think he's going to turn it into a boxing match with Diggs. I do. And if I'm the Chiefs, fine. That's fine. I mean, look, the Bills receivers are certainly respectable, and Diggs is great, but it's a group that, you know, especially if Davis doesn't play. I mean, Davis has been the guy kind of over the years that had gotten downfield with the deep ball. And it doesn't mean Shakir can. He certainly can. It doesn't mean Diggs can. He can. But if I'm the Chiefs, you want to go and throw the deep ball? That's cool. That's a low percentage throw, especially when it's cold as hell. And he might hit it. Fine. I'll, I'll live with you hitting a deep ball, but not running the football. Like If I'm the Chiefs, I'm fine with that. I'm fine. Now, of course... You know, the situation of the game also dictates that somewhat as well, right? I mean, if you know, if you're in the fourth quarter and you're up by four, you know, with five minutes left, you're probably more concerned about getting beat over the top. But for a majority of that game, I would. I would challenge the hell out of the Bills to beat Sneed and McDuffie in this game and just say, look, you're not like you're 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 talented. You have a great quarterback, but 
the Chiefs have been awesome against the pass all year long. I think you commit as many bodies as you reasonably can down at the line of scrimmage and say, you're going to win, you're going to do it throwing it over our heads. And I, I think if you're the Chiefs, you feel pretty comfortable with that. You're listening to the Arrowhead Addict podcast. Do us a favor. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. A couple of super chats I want to get to. Shout out to D Train for the super chat. Says Chiefs D is going to dominate 24-13. And Anonymous Mango says, uh, greetings from the UK. Hey, uh, greetings across the pond. Chiefs 27, Bills 17. Love the optimism there. Appreciate y'all's support in the super chats. Um, one thing that stood out to me, obviously, when when prepping to analyze this game was that the last time these two teams played the chiefs, they only ran the ball 18 times. Mahomes threw 43 passes and they did not have Isaiah Pacheco in this game. So you had Clyde Edwards, Alaire out there, 11 carries for 39 yards, slightly below average performance. And you did have Jarek McKinnon who, who got four carries for 19 yards and, and did score a touchdown uh, was involved in the, in the passing game a little bit as well. Um, and you did have a good Rasheed Rice game. And that's interesting to me because Rasheed Rice hadn't really broken out to that point. But he had seven receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown, which hopefully is a sign of things to come. But how big of an impact is having Pacheco this time around going to have on this game? It could be significant, especially, again, with the linebacking situation. I mean, the linebacking situation for Buffalo bears a lot of watching. If for no other reason, I mean, that affects everything. That is uh, the run and the pass. I mean, when, you're, when your safety's hurt, that largely impacts you in the passing game. When your run-stuffing defensive tackles hurt, it largely impacts you in the running game. When your linebackers are hurt, that impacts you in every play of the game. That is every single play. And so, yeah, having Pacheco, it's going to matter. I mean, he's, he's – look, if you look at his numbers this year, okay, so James Cook this year, who was excellent, ran for 4.7 yards per attempt, and he had two touchdowns. And he had 1,100 yards, and he played in, I believe, he played every game. Well, I mean, just double-check that. He played in every game. Now, Pacheco, as we know, because he had the one surgery, did not play in every game. But, again, 4.7 yards per carry, a couple of touchdowns on the ground. Isaiah Pacheco this year has been the bell cow for the Chiefs, and he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry, seven touchdowns on the ground. And he had 935 yards. He missed a few games. I mean, they're very similar players, honestly. Cook and Pacheco are very they're hard to bring down, mostly between the tackles. Uh, you know, Cook is a guy who can catch the ball. He's he's a really nice piece. Uh, they can do a lot of different things. You know, Pacheco, the Chiefs don't throw it to him a ton. Uh, but this year, like he's he was targeted 49 times. He has 44 receptions. Yeah. Like when he's targeted, he catches the ball, he has good hands. Um, you know, it, so I, I think it's a huge part to have him back. I mean, he's a guy that you have to respect. You have to respect him on every play, whether it's as a blocking back, whether it is as uh, you know a receiver. And by the way, to the point, uh, James Cook, also 44 receptions. Very, very similar players targeted 54 times. So, look, I think it's, I think it's imperative. I mean, if you're the Chiefs, you've got to get Pacheco the ball 20 times in this game. Doesn't mean he's got to rush it 20 times. Maybe he rushes it 16 times and catches it four. You have to get him the ball. He is capable of wearing a team down. He's not the big home run hitter. He's not the Jamal Charles, but he's the guy that by that 12th, 13th, 14th time you got to tackle him, you're like, son of a bitch. Again, like he just, he's a sledgehammer. So you definitely want to get him involved. 
Yeah, I'm excited for him. I think he can have a. I, I think it's really key in this game for him to get going to help them stay ahead of the sticks, so they they don't end up in these third and long situations. Hopefully, they can keep off of the penalties as well. Now, what about in the receiving game in this one from a guy like um, Rasheed Rice, who just was absolutely fantastic last week, and he seems to be starting to emerge is more than a guy that you throw the ball to behind the line of scrimmage and there's screens and these things. You're just trying to get him run after the catch. He's catching balls down the field. And there's only, we, we haven't seen a ton of that, but we've seen a little bit of it, of their confidence in him growing. Do you think he can do some serious damage in this game uh, along with Kelsey? Yeah. I mean, he's been great. I mean, the guy's been unbelievable. So if you look, as you point out earlier in the year, he was very much just get him at the get the ball to him at the line of scrimmage, and then he'd make plays yards after catch. I mean, he started in the league this year in yards after catch, and if he played week seven, well, if he had played week 18, 17th game, probably be number one. Um, but if you if you look at his numbers, the last seven games, including the playoffs, that's when he's really taken off. So first of those games the, uh, at the Raiders, which they won 31-17. Eight catches, 10 targets, 107 yards, touchdown. Next week against the Packers, eight catches, nine targets, 64 yards. Next week against Buffalo, seven catches on 10 targets, 72 yards and a touchdown. New England, nine targets, nine catches, 91 yards and a touchdown. Only really bad game he's had was the Raiders game on Christmas, which I feel like the Chiefs were betting on the Raiders in that game. Everybody was awful. He had six catches on 12 targets, 57 yards. Cincinnati game, five catches on six targets, 127 yards, and last week, eight catches, 12 targets, 130 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, at this point, it would be far more of an upset if Rice doesn't have a huge impact on the game. He has been phenomenal down the stretch. Look, the last two months, he's the best receiver on either team in this game. Now, obviously, Diggs is Stephon Diggs. I'm not saying he's not the best receiver in the game, but I'm saying the last the last two months, I mean, he's by far been more productive than anybody on either side of the ball. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that Rice is a huge part of this game. Um, he eats up zone coverage. He's done that since his days at SMU in college. The Bills play a lot of zone. I mean, you're going to see a lot of zone coverage in this football game unless they completely break tendency and they they change from what they've been for years under Sean McDermott. Um, these teams, it's not a divisional game, but it might as well be. They know each other. I mean, there's no secrets. So, yeah. I think Rice and Kelsey will produce. I think the big question for the Chiefs on offense is, do you have that third guy with production? Does Pacheco have a big game? Do you get something out of Justin Watson? Does Hardman have a deep ball down the field in him? I mean, that that I think is a bigger question. And frankly, I think it's the same question with, with Buffalo. Like, look, you're going to get, you would think, a good game out of Cook. He's been excellent. Um, and then it's kind of like Diggs and Kincaid are both very capable, very good players. But Diggs has been somewhat persona non grata here down the stretch. You know, why is that? And maybe this foot thing has been part of it. I don't know. Kincaid had a stretch during the, let's say, the third quarter of the season where he was gangbusters. He was awesome. Um, And then Dawson Knox came back, and it changed a little bit for a while. He, He went into this stretch for like six weeks where he never had more than like 40 or 50 yards. And then he, he found himself again the last couple of weeks, 87, 84, and the playoffs, 59. So I would expect Kincaid to be a big part of it, and I think Rice will be a big part of it. Both rookies should should play into it. 
So if you look at Rice from the season, just out of curiosity, because he kind of came on late, he ended up being second in the team in receiving yards just behind Kelsey right. with 938 and 102 targets. Obviously, we know he didn't get very many snaps early in the season. They were doing all kinds of rotating, getting Darius Tony in there. Sky Moore was And then starting. thank God for that. Yeah, right? Yeah. Sky Moore was starting ahead of this guy. So, like, what would you project going into next year? Like, what kind of a season do you expect from Rasheed Rice based on what he did this year? I mean, you know, it's funny. If you'd asked me this two months ago before he started to do all this stuff down the field, I would have said, like, I don't know, eight, nine hundred. I, now I think you do about twelve hundred. I mean, twelve fifty. Like he's been, he's been fantastic, and he's one of those guys. He's funny because like he's not. You don't look at him as being that fast, but when you watch him, like nobody ever can seem to get a clean shot at him. Like he's not, he's not twitchy. He reminds me a lot of Anquan Bolden. That's kind of who he reminds me of. I mean, Bolden was physical like a bull in a china shop. I mean, Rice doesn't have that level of physicality yet, but. That same type of like you watch Bolden and he never really looked like he was running that fast, but then he'd have like 40 yards and you know, nobody could catch him until the safety finally got the angle and shoved him out of bounds. Um, I, uh, I I think he's – look, let's put it this way. I think Bryce will, will be a multiple-time pro bowler. I think, I think he'll be in the all-pro conversation at some point in his career. I mean, he's a really good player. He's a really, really good player. Yeah, and if you look at the snap counts from last week – um it's interesting right so yep. uh kelsey of all pass catchers led the team with 68 so he played 86 percent of the offensive snaps then it was rice with 61 snaps he played 77 percent after that it was watson with 54 snaps all uh 68 for him noah gray played 47 percent of the snaps 37 mvs was out there but he was only out there for 32 snaps only 41 percent and then hardman 27 snaps, 34% for Hardman. So they showed some trust in McCole Hardman as well. But something that Chiefs fans have been clamoring for since, I don't know, week two, that Rasheed Rice get more snaps, he is now the guy. He's playing essentially all the snaps that they've got wide receivers out there for. Um, 80, 80% is pretty good. So um, – what do you think about McCole Hardman in this game? I know we talked about this a little bit in, in the in the after show after the last game, but that's a lot of pretty significant amount of snaps for him. Is he just sliding into that kind of Kadarius Tony role, or were they take some more shots with him? A little bit. Um, I, I think with Hardman, look, the one thing he can do is he can stretch the field. Now, now God knows, uh, yeah. He stretches the field, but he doesn't catch the ball at the time, so that that's kind of a problem. He doesn't know where the ball is. No, he does not. That being said, he's one of those guys, and we know this because he was on the team for years before this year. He's capable of having a game where it's 100 yards. Like he is, he is absolutely capable of doing it. I mean, he doesn't have it a lot, maybe two, three times a year, but like he'll have games where he'll get behind somebody, he'll actually find the ball, and it's a 70-yard touchdown because he's just he's fast as hell. I mean, he. He's also the kind of guy, and by the way, in that eight, 13 seconds game, Hardman did this, like ran a jet sweep, broke a tackle, 30 yards, touchdown. I mean, he's Hardman had a big game that night years ago against Buffalo. And he, by the way, did not play in the first matchup. He was on IR at the time. Um, but, you know, McCall Hardman in his career, look, he's not by any means a number one or a number two. I'm not, not going there. I mean, he's a guy who 
you know, I think I think he's getting a lot of run right now because of the situation at receiver for the Chiefs, and then also because he can stretch the field. He has the ability to do that. Um, but if you look at him in his career, you know, he's a guy that, you know, as just as a pure receiver, has one time hit 100 yards in the regular season. Um, in fact, then in the postseason. You know, he's got a bunch of games in his career where he's, you know, 60, 70, stuff like that. But, like, he can also add yardage in the run game. He can do different things. The Chiefs don't need him to go crazy. They need one big catch out of him, potentially. They might even win without it. But, I mean, that's what they're hoping for. Um, And we'll see. I mean, he's had a – you know, by the way, that 13 seconds game, just to lay it out there, he only had one catch for 26 yards in overtime. But he had 31 yards on the ground. He had a touchdown. Like if the Chiefs get 57 yards and a touchdown, I don't call hard on Sunday. They're going to be doing uh, backflips on the sideline. One guy we haven't talked a lot about, surprisingly, in in this game is uh, one uh, number 15, Patrick Mahomes. What do you want to see out of Mahomes in this game? Uh, I've seen a lot of talk this week about you know, hey, look, they got to win ugly, um, which you know. I, I think they've been able to win ugly in years past. It just hasn't been as much ugly. Um, yeah. Sure. How does how do you what are you looking for out of Mahomes in this one? Obviously, in the last game, Chiefs lost a turnover battle. They had a fumble, and Mahomes threw just a terrible interception to the Bills and really set them up for a score. What what does he need to do in this one to make sure the Chiefs get out of of Buffalo with a, a road win here? You know, man, I, this is a boring answer. He's got to play smart football. He's got to play smart football because to me, again, and I said it earlier, the, the biggest key in this game is the turnovers. It's the biggest game. It's the biggest key in this football game. And in the first game that they played, he had a he had a pick early on that cost them potential points. And Willie Butker's kicked this year points. Um they lost by three. I mean, that was that was a huge play in the game. That's not the only play, of course. I mean, we can all go back to the Tony play, but like you can't make that play. Mahomes has got to play perfect football from a turnover standpoint. Um, and again, you're also you're playing against another quarterback who can make every throw in the book, but also turns the ball over. I mean, he also is extremely apt to do that. Nobody's turned the ball over more in the last two, three years, four years, five years in Allen. I mean, you pretty much go year by year. He, he, you know, over that stretch, he's led the league in turnovers. He did not turn over against Pittsburgh. He has not gone two games this year in a row without turning the football over. If you're the Chiefs, that's something you're hoping is an advantage to you. Maybe it's not, but you're hoping it is that Mahomes takes care of the ball and Allen fumbles or throws a pick, whatever the case may be. And, and so I think if you're the Chiefs, you I really don't think they need him to be Superman to win this game. I don't. And that's not a that's not a, a demerit of Buffalo as much as it's Kansas City's defense is fucking ridiculous. They're I mean, they're fantastic. Like, there's a real world here where the Chiefs hold them to 13 points, 16 points. I mean, they, they absolutely could do it. And if you're Mahomes, look, man, if Rice is open, hit him. If Kelsey's open, hit him. You know, hand off to Pacheco. If there's nothing there, run with it. If you can't run with it, take a sack if you absolutely have to. Punt the ball. Throw it away. Like, I think for the Chiefs in this game, you you trust in your defense. They've been awesome all year long. All year long. Nobody's thrown 300 yards. They've given up two receivers. They got 100 all year, and nobody's done it in the last three and a half months. You, you've got a team that – how many times have they given up 24 points this year? Once? I mean – Just once, yeah. I mean, they're, they're fantastic. So if I'm Mahomes, like, don't make the big mistake. Don't force a ball into coverage. 
Don't try to do too much and hold on to it for eight seconds, get strip sacked. You know, just do exactly what he did last week against Miami. Smart football. And I, I think that would serve the Chiefs very well. This is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Um, listen, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. We're going to get to our final score predictions for this one. But first, I just wanted to touch on a couple of minutes, Vertoram, Ravens-Saxons. Because this game, it might not matter to the Chiefs, you know, uh, this weekend if they don't win. But um, the Houston Texans are frisky. They're big underdogs in this one, which I'm a little surprised about because I think they're playing really good football. Um do you how do you see that one playing out? And do you think you know if you're the Chiefs fan, like you want Houston to win, right? You want the Arrowhead Invitational to be back on. Yeah, yeah. I think. Look, um, I think the Texans are live dogs in that game, and not just because like oh they're playing well. I mean, it, yeah, they're playing well. But like, I always do a matchups column every Friday for Sports Illustrated. That I actually wrote this morning, and. Um, the Ravens lead the league in rushing yardage over 2,600 yards this year on the ground. They're third in the league in yards per attempt at 4.9. You know second in the league at stopping the run? Houston. Yeah. Houston's really good at shutting down the run. And if they can shut down the run in this game, they got guys. And they got Grenard is a damn good pass rusher, and so is Will Anderson. And Derek Stingley on the outside is a good corner. They could cause problems in this game. And Stroud is no joke. Like, normally, you're like, yeah, rookie quarterback on the road. Hey, hey, man, he can play. Like, do I think the Ravens win? Yeah, I think they probably find a way to win the game. I, I would not be surprised if Houston went in there and beat them. And I think if you're the Chiefs, yeah. You know, look, I, I think the Chiefs, quite frankly, it actually plays in Like, Houston, to me, is, is an ideal matchup for the Chiefs for one reason. A lot of what Houston does well, the Chiefs, are, they're built to deal with it. Like, Houston doesn't run the ball well. They throw the ball. Well, the Chiefs are built to deal with Nico Collins, right? They're just they're built to do it. They, you know, defensively, Houston is eh against the pass, despite some of those guys I mentioned. They're really good against the run. Andy's going to be like doing a backflip, right? Like, hey, that's great. We're not even going to run once. So I think the Chiefs, yes, the Chiefs would love to see Houston should they advance. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because Houston, by the way, is nine and a half point underdogs in this game. Vegas thinks they're going to get killed. I would definitely take. Houston, yeah, it, like if I'm gambling on, I would definitely be Houston. If you watch that game against Cleveland, who, by the way, had the best defense in the league this year, you know, everyone's worried about, oh, well, they got to CJ Stroud's got to go up against Baltimore's defense. And I know Flacco really slammed the door on on the Browns' chances of winning that game with these bad turnovers. It wasn't good, but before that, before that happened, Stroud was lighting that Cleveland defense up. And so, you know, you go and you look at the box score of that game, and you see, oh, like Stroud had a nice day, like. He was on his way. If he had to, he could have thrown 500 yards in that game, it looked like. They, they had no answer for, for the Texans. So I'm with you, man. I was shocked when I saw the line. I think it's I think it's very much based on the totality of the regular season and not the way that this team has matured. And C.J. Stroud played at Ohio State. He's played in a lot of big games, big football games. Like, yes, it's the NFL. Yes, he's going on the road to Baltimore. I, I don't think he's going to be a shrinking violet in there. I think he's going to let it rip. If he makes a mistake, I don't think he's going to panic. So I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be a very good And look, you know, this is something we have not talked about. And I know we're up against the hour, so it's fine. But like, that is one thing that is fascinating this weekend in the AFC. Like, you have two teams at home that if that start is not ideal, and Houston gets up 10 nothing, or Kansas City's up 10 nothing. Look, every Chiefs fan who's over the age of 10 in this 
chat right now, listening to the show live, will tell you when the Chiefs would fall behind in the playoff game or something bad would happen, you could feel the panic. You could feel the anxiety. You could feel the stress, the tension. That is going to happen in Baltimore and Buffalo this weekend if it's not a good start or if if there's some kind of a real negative play that happens for the home team. That's where if I'm Houston, if I'm Kansas City, look, you have no pressure in these games. I mean, let, let's just be for Houston especially. I mean, Houston, God, you have no pressure at all. Everybody thought you'd go 4-13 and this year. The Chiefs have won two of the last four Super Bowls. I mean, what do they have to prove? If they go and lose to Buffalo this weekend, what, what are people going to start tearing down their sandcastles and be like, hey, they were garbage. I mean, yeah. the Bills hung a picture of the Lombardi Trophy in their field house before the season, and like, I, and I'm not clowning them for. It. Look, you should have a goal. You should be proud of the goal you have. That's fine. But like, let's be real here. If the Chiefs go into Buffalo and win the game, I mean, that that's look. You know what? You know what the radio is going to sound like at Buffalo the next day. You know, it's not I mean, for Sean McDermott. <laughs> oh my God, man! I mean, look, if the Chiefs lose, yeah, sure, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be pissed. But like. They just won two of the last four and weren't three of them. I mean, you're not going to win every single year. Buffalo, and when you also look at it, too, they're going to lose guys after the season, age, salary cap, whatever. Like, they are in a huge, huge pressure cooker on Sunday night. There is no doubt. And I got to tell you, like, you know, you look at social media and God knows players see all this stuff. It's not hurting the Chiefs this week. I mean, all this stuff about, you know, Mahomes, he's the third best quarterback left in uh, the, the playoffs, according to Dan Orlovsky and according to this site. And, and, and I, you know, I look, you know, I mean, Bobby Stroop, who's the trainer for Mahomes, I mean, my God, he's on Twitter retweeting every single thing. You know, if he's seen it, Patrick's seen it. Like, it's, it's been interesting. You know, can Mahomes win a road playoff game, which has got to be the dumbest storyline in the history of sports? Like, the guys won Super Bowls, but no. Going on the road is going to be the difference. And the Bills have a great home field. I've been to Bills games. I've, I've, I've worked there. Like they, They're awesome fans. But, I mean, this is, this is a team that, like, come on, I think they're going to be okay handling some crowd noise. It's Look, it's going to be really interesting. But I do think that Baltimore and Buffalo this weekend, I mean, the pressure is just enormous. It is enormous on those two teams. More so in, the, in Baltimore in the sense of, like, you have to beat Houston at home. I'm sorry, you just do. But on the other side of it, it's like, Buffalo, my God, man, if you can't get by the Chiefs this year, you ever doing it? Ever? I mean, the Chiefs have been a walking train wreck all year offensively for the last couple of games. And you got them in your building. The Chiefs have one wide receiver who can do anything. You lose this game to Kansas City, that hurts. Like, that is a, a major, major blow to any idea that this current exact iteration of the team is ever going to find its way to a Super Bowl. Well, let's get to it. Uh, it's prediction time. Sound off in the chat. We'll try to get to some of yours as well. Let us know how you think this one's going to go. Jesus Perez on on the quick trigger. Chiefs 23, Bills 20. Um, you, why don't you start us off, Ram? How's this one going to end? And I do believe you were leaning Buffalo a couple weeks ago. I was. I just saw a guy in the chat like, why should the Bills show up? These guys think the Chiefs going to win easily. Bro, you, you're you new here. Um, no, I I was. like So I did my SI playoff bracket before the playoffs started, and I picked that this game would happen, and I picked Buffalo to win the game because the Bills are at home. I think the Bills are – well, they're not playing great. Like, they're they're playing well. They're winning. Um, and the Chiefs have been stuck in neutral offensively much of the year. I will tell you, the injuries to Buffalo in the middle of the field, though, I, I think that is a massive deal. Like, I think that is something that could absolutely change the course of the game. And so with that, 
I am going to pick Kansas City to win the game. I'm going to pick Kansas City to win the game by the exact score uh, that they – well, no, it won't be the exact score, the exact margin, 23-20. to 20. I think they win the game 23-20. My old man also wanted to toss out his score prediction, which is 23-13. He, he is, like, exceedingly almost nervous. Like it, It's almost weird how confident he is in this game. I am not there. Like, I think it's a coin flip the game. I think the difference in this game is Kansas City's defense. I just think I think they'll make the plays. They've been spectacular. I don't think Mahomes will make a huge mistake. He typically doesn't. Uh, and I think the injuries to Buffalo down the middle are huge. They're just huge injuries. So give me the Chiefs by a field goal in the game. I'm with you. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. A couple weeks ago, I might not have, but they've been playing a little bit better. And look, I just, on its face, Buffalo has been playing well. I have a ton of respect for Josh Allen. I, I think he's a very good quarterback. I just think in this one for the Chiefs, they have some things on their side that Buffalo doesn't. I think they have a coaching advantage. I think they have the, uh, the quarterback advantage and the experience advantage. They have played in so many big games and they have risen to the occasion. Buffalo has played in some big games, but they haven't been able to get over the hump. And so if you're if you're basing it off of experience and what, what we've seen these two, two teams do, it doesn't mean that Buffalo can't do it this time, right? A couple of years ago, the Cincinnati Bengals, who hadn't done jack, knocked the Chiefs off in their own building and went to the Super Bowl. So Buffalo could absolutely win this game. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they did. I just think it, at the end of the day, the coaching advantage, the quarterback advantage, and the fact that the Chiefs are trotting out three Hall of Famers is going to be the difference. But I think it's going to be close. I think we're going to be. Uh, I, I think we're going to be holding our breath. I got a Chiefs twenty four, Buffalo twenty three. I think the Chiefs went on a last minute Harrison Bucker field goal in this one. That would be. Uh, listen, if it comes down to Harrison Bucker's leg, everybody in Chiefs land feels pretty good about it because yeah. he does not miss big kicks. Um, no, I think. I think it's a it's a you know good prediction. I will say, I'll give one thing just so every Bills fan here can be pissed off at me if they're not already, which is mm-hmm. fine. All year long, everyone who's listened to the show or listens to my super followers stuff on Twitter, which by the way, if you're not a super follower, be a super follower. It's fun. I have said all year long I do not believe in the Chiefs offense because they've been a mess. You know, at some point you are what you are. Turnovers, penalties, drops, all that stuff. The Cincinnati game and the Miami game, while not perfect are the best they've played back-to-back weeks all year. And, you know, sometimes it's an eye test. Like, a lot of times this year, we'd, we'd sit there and be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, they got 400 yards, but they kind of look like shit, right? Like, it was just an eye testing. It was sloppy. It was undisciplined. The last two games with the starters, the, the Chargers game, throw that out, is the first time all year where they look like they're playing with conviction on offense. Mahomes is rifling the ball. He's hitting his back foot, and that ball's gone. He's not just scrambling around trying to make a play. They're moving guys at the line of scrimmage in a way that they weren't consistently earlier in the year. So the thing that's going to piss off Bill fans, I'm sure, you're welcome. They've been so close the last two weeks exploding on offense. So close. And it's just been holding them back. The red zone, that's what that's been killing them. I'm not predicting it. I said I think it's 23 to 20. At some point, if they continue to soldier on here, they're going to explode offensively. It, you could just kind of see it coming. Like, it almost is like one of those cartoons where the water's pressing up against the dam and like the water's starting to come through the wood. Like you you just can see it coming with the way that they're playing right now on offense. And maybe it doesn't happen this week. The Bills are a really well-coached team. They're a smart team. They're a good team. They're a very good team. But I think at some point, they, they might make five red zone trips and score four touchdowns and kick two more field goals. And like all of a sudden, they have like 34, 37 points in the game. Like I, 
I, I really do think that's coming. You watch that game against Miami, and it's, yeah, 26 points. They could have scored 45 points in that game, like fairly easily. I think they finally figured it out. It's just a matter of can they execute it enough. I still think this game's in the 20s, though, because I respect Buffalo quite a bit. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, real quick before we get out of here, Patty's Power Rankings, give me your top three breakfast main courses. All right. Uh, breakfast main, I'm just trying to think. Okay, so, yeah, I'll go uh, – I'll go pancakes three. I got to be in the mood for them. Yeah. And they got to have chocolate chips or funfetti. If there's not funfetti or chocolate chips, they're not, they're bullshit. I'm not an Oreo, Oreo pancakes. I have an Oreo pancake, but I'm on board with that. There might as well be a chocolate chip. That's fine. Like, I'm a big, like, I I, I like going to IHOP. I don't care what anybody says. I I probably go twice a year, but like, I'll go. Uh, The day of my wedding, my morning, I was at IHOP. Nice. So those would be three. Number two for me is like, just like a, a full, like like a skillet, like eggs, you know, like a good skillet, you know, max, mix in some hash, make, make it really unhealthy. Make it something that's going to clog an artery. Yep. Um, you know, some cheese, some onion, you know, that stuff. So I love a good skillet with some hash browns. And the number one, man, like I, I got to go with nice, nice cold bowl of cereal. Just it's my thing. Um, so those three things. Some people love French toast. I don't like French toast. Oh, you don't um, like French toast? Oh. I don't like French toast. I'm a big I'm French, French, French toast. Guy. Yeah, so I those are my three. All right, um, I'm going to start off with uh, with cereal, unless we're talking about Count Chocula, in which case it's number one. That's my number three. I eat cereal all like all at all times. Like I for years when I was a kid growing up, I would eat a bowl of cereal before bed every night. Um, just uh, wanted a snack, and that became my thing. So big cereal guy. Number two, uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with a skillet, man. I absolutely yeah. love skillets. You can throw anything in there. Easy to make. Get get your bacon. Get your sausage. Get some ham. Get some green peppers, mushrooms, onions. Load it up with the hash browns, the eggs. Uh, put in. A, I'm a big fan of chipotle hot sauce from Tabasco. I don't know if you got if you've ever had that. It is. I put it on literally everything. So good. Dump a bunch of that in there. And then number one, I'm a French toast guy, man. I love French toast. Absolutely fantastic. Give me the carbs I want and the sugar and the and the. Syrup, I want it all. I'm, I'm hungry. I, I might just go talk to Mag about breakfast for dinner here. Hey, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, I want to toss out a, a fun tweet I just saw that we can wrap up on. But uh, his darkness, who's a was a good follow, and and uh, I believe was over at Arrowhead Pride for a while. Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah, been around. yeah, right. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure I was right with that. He tweeted out: Patrick Mahomes is an underdog, seven and three in his career. Straight up, by the way, not against his spread. Straight up. Points scored in the three losses, 51, 40, and 20. Mahomes' stats in those games, he threw for 284 yards, 256, 322, 352, 448, 271, 385, 228, 319, and 182. And if I do the math quickly, in those 10 games, he threw for, uh, let's see, 33 touchdowns and 10 picks. That's okay. So, That's pretty good. Not bad. Not bad as an underdog. And, of course, uh, he was an underdog twice in the playoffs last year. Worked out okay. Both those guys. He does not like being uh, discounted. So we'll see how that manifests itself on Sunday. It's the last game. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be here. We've got your back. We'll have the full slate of Arrowhead Addict coverage leading up to the game. We'll have a pregame show. We'll have a halftime show. And we'll be right back here to break it all down, win or lose, after the game. So make sure if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe because we'll be we'll be doing this all 
Uh, we'll be doing this all live. Um, so shout out to everybody. Shout out if you want to become part of the Arrowhead Ad community. Check out the link in the description. We'd love to watch games with you and get to know you and hang out in the private Discord that we have, Fantasy Football Leagues, all that cool stuff. Shout out to Producer Richard for getting us on tonight. And, of course, my pal Matt Verderam from Sports Illustrated. Make sure you check out all of his work as the, uh, as the, as the playoffs continue, even if the Chiefs don't advance but i hope they will all right everybody thank you for your support we will see you this weekend but until then get your outfit ready uh for uh for red friday and as always go Chiefs. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.